Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. Tragic scene at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Gunshots fired, left one person dead, 21 others wounded. Three suspects have been taken into custody and are under investigation. This was an act of violence from people who were at the parade who were armed, who got into a disagreement. It's all so disgusting. It's also infuriating. It's also sickening. Mike Danger. Our hearts go out to the people of Kansas City. I want to prop up the heroes that apprehended the suspects that are in custody right now. We'll learn more about this and we'll continue to keep the families of those affected in our thoughts. Gene Bataglia. Is this the last time we have any kind of championship parade danger? Because what more can you do to protect people? Going forward when NFL clubs win the Super Bowl, it's gotten to a point where they're not going to do a parade. Instead, they're going to do the celebration inside the team stadium where they can control security far better than they can in an open public space. 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan. Rochester. Hey, welcome on in to the sports bar. It's Danger and Bataglia. Glad you're with us this afternoon and listening along at 95.7 FM, AM 950. The fan Rochester sounds its best in the free-to-download Odyssey app. We've got the video stream up for you on YouTube and on Twitch. I'm Danger. That's Bataglia. Today will be a better day than yesterday. It is, yeah. Uh, as, as yesterday, those kind of days... Where you like, yeah, I went home last night, you know, hugged my daughter. My other daughter's traveling. I didn't get the chance to, to really talk to her. But man, it's just one of those days where you, I, I left here just kind of drained emotionally, and we're not even near the blast zone, right? Like, I, I can't imagine what people in the people of Kansas City were going through yesterday with, with the world centered on them and in, in this tragic event from, from yesterday. Um, and, you know, I, I thought yesterday kind of peeking in through the keyhole there at 610 Sports Kansas City and hearing, hearing their emotion, and they're pissed off yeah. <laughs> that this happened on a day that was supposed to be a celebration. And you know, Brownie mentioned it in, in just a few seconds ago there in the opener, and, and you mentioned it yesterday, Gene. You have to wonder now that if a team were to win... I hope it doesn't come to this, but I, I could certainly see a day where if a team wins a championship moving forward, no more parades. We're not going to do public settings. We're well, only going to do it in controlled settings where we have control over the security. Well, in Kansas City, they've already said they're going ahead with their St. Patrick's Day parade. So at least there's that that they're kind of moving forward. And I hope we don't get to that point. Um, the follow-up to the story was that well, there are three. There was a third person arrested after we got off the air last night, and apparently it was a dispute. And two of the three are juveniles. Mm. So uh, 
Yeah, and the one woman who passed, did you see this? She was a DJ. Yeah, she worked yeah. in, in uh, radio. She was a DJ. She she worked for a uh, non-commercial station. So I was immediately like, I know a little bit about the Kansas City radio market. And when I saw a DJ, I'm like, oh, God, I, I hope. And and I didn't know that the radio station is one of the non-commercial stations. It's the equivalent of like a... I don't know, WBR, yeah. you know, one of those kind of Right, and, and so immediately you learn about Lisa Lopez, who was a mom, yeah. you know, who just wanted to go celebrate her team. And I believe you, one of her kids was was one of the kids that was struck by a gunshot. Oh, really? Well. Okay. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, look, I don't want to get any of the facts wrong of what's going on. We we try to report what we, what we know. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it, uh, two juveniles, three detained, and it's an ongoing investigation as uh, Kansas City police there and, and everybody involved working to to try and get to the bottom of what what began, what started this incident. But a, a dispute between several people escalated to the point where you had some gun violence and unfortunately loss of life and plenty of people still recovering from yesterday's uh, event there in Kansas City. Gino, I, I just... I, I don't want to brush it off. I don't want to make it feel like it's normal. And I think we do that too often. But at the same time, we, we can't dwell on it to the point where uh, we ignore everything else that's going on. And there's a lot going on. Well, if you go to a steakhouse, you're expecting uh, you want a steak, you're going to get a steak. All right. So you're coming here t- for sports. So it's a fine line where here's the sports related event where something happens that's absolutely terrible. Um, and you still want sports here. So we're going to give you sports today and uh, turn to some of our local teams. Yes, absolutely. We'll start uh, with the Buffalo Sabres who take the ice tonight against the Florida Panthers. And when we talk Sabres, we trust. Our guy, Paul Hamilton, from our Odyssey Sports sister station in Buffalo, WGR. What's wrong with this team? I mean, it's a loaded What's question. What's wrong? They but just won 7-0. Like, nothing. Nothing's yeah, wrong. Like, Everything's but, fine. But we, like where we were, where we've been. Like this, okay, one game. One game we're hanging our hat on. Like where have this been all year? And well, Paul is uh, as straight a shooter coming out of Buffalo as uh, you, you can get. And appreciate uh, having his time today. We'll, we'll get his, his thoughts on this. Also his thoughts on the Amherst, too. I don't know if you saw, but uh, the Amherst win last night. Devin Levi, some new artwork. He's got an Amerx colored mask now with the painting and the flag Good. and everything. So like is Devin Levi now by going with that, settling with a mindset that he's going to help lead this team into April? I think Devin Levi needs, yes, I think that's exactly right. And I think Devin Levi has probably been told, hey, this is how it's going to work. You need to get on the ice. And it's not going to be easy to get on the ice with UPL playing the way he's playing. It doesn't mean that you can't get on the ice more frequently with the Sabres next season. But let's play this out now and be a champion. If you're if you're in Rochester and you get, I mean, you get them to where we think they can go, where we want them to go. Devin Levi is is in rarefied air at that point. We'll always remember De- De- Devin Levi. Well, there's one team, the Emmerich Zone, that's Utica. 10 out of the last 11. They that's beat big. those guys, yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember our last conversation with Paul Hamilton because it was when uh, I was coming out of my COVID phase. I was, it was, uh, it, it was a conversation I remember having because I was in the basement. I was in my tank <laughs> yeah. uh, talking to Paul. And, and Paul said something then that uh, was very prophetic. Like, look, I am not seeing it from this, these guys. 
you know, at that point, early December, you still have some hope, some optimism that you could make the postseason. And there's a sliver that remains, a sliver of of hope that you could end this drought. But Paul was saying back in early December, this ain't it, guys. I don't know what it is. I don't know why these guys aren't responding. I don't know why they're inconsistent, why they're not playing the style that Don Granado is asking them to play, because when they do it, it works. But when they get away from it, everything falls apart. Paul Hamilton joins us in less than 20 minutes, and we'll preview tonight's action from KeyBank Arena. Mike McAllister is the publisher of Syracuse Orange on Fan Nation. We'll talk some Orange Athletics with McAllister. Yeah, a couple few. Yeah, so speaking of teams, and again, they're on a different timeline than the Sabres, but they're coming off a win that nobody expected. Big win over North Carolina. But now, uh, Autry's team has to go to Georgia Tech, and that's a game you should win so i think we begin to ask the questions what would it take what about the direction of this program and i think yeah we can all there's a new new coach for the football team and i look at that schedule for the football uh, team next year danger and i'm like there's no reason to think this team can't go four and oh five and oh so is that going to be fool's gold is that going to be something that sets up the orange here where does syracuse athletics also in this new landscape kind of fit because the more you hear about Florida State doing everything they can possibly do to get out of the ACC and maybe at some point Clemson or one of the blue chip uh, programs on North Carolina, whether that's UNC or Duke, where is Syracuse going to be when all these uh, musical chairs kind of end? It's a little concerning. We'll talk to Mike McAllister coming up in the 4 o'clock. Yeah, he is the publisher of Syracuse Orange on Fan Nation. 425 McAllister stops by the sports bar. We have plenty of time for your calls this afternoon. Always want to clear the floor. Let you pull up a stool at 585-866-4FAN-866-4326. So one of the stories from yesterday that kind of got buried under all of the chaos of the Kansas City shooting was the breaking news from late in the three o'clock hour yesterday. We were talking about how Kyle Shanahan parted ways with his defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, after one season, after he held Patrick Mahomes to 19 points in the Super Bowl and regulation in the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and, and a defense that statistically was as good, if not better at some respects than it was the previous year with D'Amico Ryan's as defensive coordinator. What's up with this? Yeah, there's something more to the story or the way we kind of view coordinators. You want to have that partnership. And I look at Kansas city, like we all look at Kansas city as the model, right? And Andy Reid has supreme trust in Steve Spagnolo. You do what you want. And at some points this year, it actually you know, it didn't work for a few games. But by and large, uh, Spagnolo has been magnificent as the Chiefs defensive coordinator. But it's because Andy Reid has that trust. Kyle Shanahan, on the other hand, all right, so this is how many defensive coordinators you've been through? Now, the last one got promoted, I understand. But Steve Wilkes is a guy that... He's got some cachet in this league. He's got a name. Why would you move off of that? What is the real reason here? You've gone through the Niners uh, with Shanahan has gone through four defensive coordinators in eight years. And I would love to tell you that that's exclusive to the Niners and exclusive to Kyle Shanahan. But this is actually a symptom of the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. When you look at it from a wider lens, the Mike Shanahan or the Kyle Shanahan? Did I say Mike? I meant Kyle. Okay, Kyle no, no, Shanahan. no. Okay, but I'm wondering if his dad had that kind of behavior too. Well, I will tell you this: that you know everybody that came from that staff 
that Shanahan staff in DC, right? The the Kyle Shanahan, Mike uh, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur. They struggle to keep continuity on the defensive side of the ball. McVay in LA has gone through four defensive coordinators in eight years, just like Shanahan has in San Francisco. LaFleur in Green Bay has gone through three defensive coordinators in six years. And McDaniel in Miami, he's gone through three separate defensive coordinators over the course of his three years with the Miami Dolphins. Is the average tenure for a defensive coordinator in the NFL over the course of 20 years from 2000 to 2020 was 2.62 seasons. Disciples of Shanahan average 1.79 seasons per defensive coordinator. So they just don't keep their guys around. I don't know how much that helps you as an organization. And I'll just use the Chiefs as the template here. I don't know that you're going to find a coaching staff with that is not just you know just more experience. You got you got Spagnolo on the defensive side of the ball, Nagy on the offensive side of the ball. Both guys that have head coaching experience that learned by making a lot of mistakes. They've probably been humbled by the league, and now they're they're working under the guy that that you know Andy Reid, who you could say his coaching tree is next to impeccable. Contrast that with what with the lack of continuity that you have with the Shanahan disciples and their elimination of defense coordinators, and then look at what the Bills have going into this year, mm. and tell me how the Bills, from a coaching standpoint, can compete with what the Chiefs have. They can't. They just can't. You could say, hey, Joe Brady's a better offensive coordinator than Matt Nagy. I would listen to that, but Matt Nagy you can't argue, has more experience, has more NFL coaching experience. Oh, and also he can lead on the, the real play callers, Andy Reid, right? Right, so. right. Or Spagnolo versus Babich. Hey, look, we're all excited about Bobby Babich getting his shot, and we don't know if he's going to be call if it's going to be him calling the plays or if McDermott is going to continue to do that. But I guess my point is that Sean McDermott's coaching staff, you know, Sean McDermott has to be a micromanager. Nobody wants a micromanager, but you have to be unless you're willing to let your guys make the kind of mistakes that experience lends you. Like Matt Nagy made a ton of mistakes as a coach for the Chicago Bears. We talked a little bit about Spagnolo's tenure with the Rams. It was ugly. Made a lot of mistakes. The NFL humbled these men. The NFL made these men learn from their mistakes. And now they're at a spot, a soft landing spot where they can take that experience and apply it to their team in a positive way. If you're Sean McDermott, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you can't allow Joe Brady to make a mistake, fall on his face. You should though. Why why not? See, that's, that's where if you're McDermott, you've got to have complete confidence. It's like, when you're trotting out a new quarterback, I think everybody knew year one, hey, for Josh Allen, oh, there's going to be some rough patches here. Why did, Why would it be any different with a first-time play caller, or in the, this case, a first-time defensive coordinator? Sean McDermott, he can weigh in. They can review things. It's like you, you have to coach your coaches, too, but not in the game itself. You hope that there's a lot of collaboration going on here, and you hope that it's not McDermott micromanaging as much as it is McDermott collaborating with both sides of the ball. But I also get the sense 
that in the NFL and in football in general, it is very much offense versus defense, right? Offensive guys hate defensive guys. Defensive guys hate offensive guys. All of these guys from the McVay or from the Shanahan tree are all offensive minded guys. Yeah. I want to point this out here because if you're looking at Kyle Shanahan's tree, how about Mike Shanahan's tree? Like you're going to learn from the old man, right? Sure. Okay. Um, here are the top names from the Mike and the Mike Shanahan tree is pretty good. I'm, there's going to be Super Bowl winners on here. Gary Kubiak, he he won a Super Bowl in Denver. You got Kyle Shanahan, two Super Bowls, the Sun. Okay, Sean McVay. You yeah. forget that he was on that that was Washington like the tight ends coach, yeah. wide receivers coach, something like that. Matt Lafleur. Yep. Mike McDaniel. Yeah, these are all guys that all were part offense, of that, all part of that defensive or all part of that DC squad that Shanahan coached with RG three and all that 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 his last tenure as a head coach was all of these guys. And so maybe it is a Mike Shanahan thing. Maybe it is something that stems as deep as that. Or maybe it is a, um, hey, you know, defense doesn't matter. We're offensive-minded guys. We have to score more points. Or maybe you're just going to bond with the guys that you know that side of the ball. And for Sean McDermott, all right, um, how many offensive coordinators? And again, this is not unique to the Bills. Offensive coordinators, they churn in this league. But the last two... Um, they're, they're not coming back to Sean McDermott's house to have a cold one, okay? Uh, Brian Dable, I think we can kind of say, hey, Sean McDermott. I think that's fair to say. Also, you, you have a coordinator that was fired. Now, go to the other side of the ball, and this is the part where <laughs> you had a respected defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, and there were times in the McDermott era where he took over the play calling because he didn't like what was going on. That's Leslie Frazier. If you don't like what's going on, make note of it. Then in the week leading up to the preparation next time, you know, it's all about what you do Monday to Saturday. Sunday's kind of, you know, I, I don't know why McDermott sometimes has to feel like he has to roll up his sleeves in that. Maybe he kind of grows out of that. But my point is, Danger, that McDermott always kind of leans defense, obviously. Will he have that same relationship with Joe Brady? Everything's fine now. Everybody's all lovey. Everybody's all great. Yeah. Even though the Brady offense in in the small sample size that we have was very comparable to what was being put out there by Dorsey. Our eyes saw something different. It looked different. We saw more of a reliance on the run game, but the end result was very similar to what you had when you had Ken Dorsey as the offensive coordinator as well. Well, a little bit. I would I would point to Joe Brady. Maybe this was Brady bowing to, you know, what what happened to Diggs's production. And to me, that that's Joe Brady. Like he, one of his years in Carolina as the the OC, he had five different guys get to a thousand yards in a season. I'd have to look that up. That's very rare to have five skill players get to a thousand. What does that tell you? Well, I, I like balance. All right. Well, balance isn't exactly in Stephon Diggs' DNA. Stephon Diggs, like most diva number one receivers, I'm sorry, I'm calling you a diva, Stephon, but like that's that's how they are. So to me, that that was the biggest change, and maybe that actually kind of benefited the Bills as the weather's turning. Kind of, you, you saw Khalil Shakir kind of rise. You saw Dalton Kincaid. Like those are the two players I would point to that benefited with, with Brady taking over. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the lack of experience that the Bills have at offensive and defensive coordinator. It'll be interesting to see if McDermott gets involved the way he has in the past in the moment or just allows these guys to 
make a mistake because they will make mistakes. Uh, it's more likely they'll make mistakes than anybody on the Chiefs coaching staff because they've been through it all. They've seen it all. They have that kind of confidence. Well, it, I got to correct. It wasn't five. It was four. Those four players from Carolina, Mike Davis, running back, was pretty good there a little bit. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. Okay. So that's three wide receivers. And what we thought was kind of a pedestrian Carolina offense. Who was the quarterback? Was that Darnold that year? Yeah. I think it was Darnold. I want to say it was Darnold. Who else would it have been? Bridgewater? 2021. Yeah, Cam was already gone by that point. Yeah, it wasn't Cam. I'm wondering who that was. I, I'm. When did Darnold go over there? Was he still a Jet in 21? No, I don't think Darnold ever got his traction there. So, but I mean, even with even if it oh, was, I stand corrected. It was Darnold, right? Darnold started 11 games. Cam Newton had five. Oh, that's right. They brought Cam back. <laughs> oh, oh my man. god, yeah, that's right. Ugh. And Brady was. Did he make it through the season, or was he let go at some point? He after the season, he adios. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you brought Cam. Well, like what are we doing, guys? Yeah. I get it. Um, it's 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 exciting, and we're excited for the guys that are getting the opportunities. But it's a little unnerving when you compare and contrast, and and for the Niners or for anybody in that Shanahan coaching tree who just can't hold on to a defensive coordinator. It hasn't hurt them to a point where it, if, if you see a drop off from the Niners defense year to year, please l- let me know. I don't think, I think there's so much talent on the field that Gene, you and I could go and there'd be the defensive coordinator and probably get decent results. I like sampling different fan bases and what they're talking about. You realize there are people, there are Niner fans, there's Niner media, media members banting about, could we bring in Bill Belichick for one year as our defensive coordinator? Stop. I know. Could we bring in Mike Vrabel as a defensive Stop. coordinator? Stop. I, I have a feeling Vrabel, Belichick especially, Vrabel, if he's going to be a coach, it's going to be, I'm a head coach. I'm not a coordinator. I'm a head coach. He's an alpha. He's going to want to be that guy. Stop. I'd be shocked if it was Vrabel. No chance that it's Belichick. Shocked. I doubt it. I just don't see No, the Niners aren't going to be like one of these teams. Hey, what do you want to pay? Okay, yeah. You're right. And also, you bring in a guy like Vrabel, you're Kyle Shanahan. You're looking over your shoulder because Vrabel wants to be a head coach. Are you kidding me? If you bring in Belichick, same Same. deal. Like, yeah, yeah, you're going to have some guy. I don't even entertain the Belichick idea. Like, that's not even something I would entertain. I can't believe that somebody would even think about entertaining him returning to the NFL as a defensive coordinator. No. No, because he's going to return as a head coach next year at the New York Giants. And yeah. I'm going to be you know, every day. I'm going to uh, open up the sports bar. You know, and pour I myself a little. Box I have a hard line. time finding people who believe or, or side with you on this side of the bet. You know, I don't have I, a lot of people. I don't. Saying, lead, I don't lead my life by popularity, Mike Danger. I think what is right, and mm-hmm. I see the take, and I'm going to be correct on this. Okay, you're wishing Brian Dayball to lose his job. <laughs> So that Bill Belichick can go in there and be a hero? Well, I didn't say Giants specifically. The bet is actually Belichick will be coaching as a head coach mm-hmm. somewhere in the year 2025. In the NFL. In the NFL. In the NFL. You could be the head coach of a lacrosse team in 2025. You don't win the bet, pal. I think you should just prepay right now. <laughs> is that how it works? Yeah. This is the worst casino I've ever been to. <laughs> 
Paul Hamilton covers the Buffalo Sabres for WGR. We'll uh, preview tonight's action from KeyBank as the Panthers are in town to take the Sabres coming off of that 7-0 drubbing of the Kings earlier this week. We'll have Paul Hamilton on with us and your phone calls as well at 866-4FAN, 866-4326. You're listening to the Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. On 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan Rochester. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Fan Rochester Sports Update. Sabres hockey here tonight on the Fan Buffalo looking to build off that 7-0 win over the LA Kings. Tonight it's Florida and Coach Don Granato on the opponent. It's going to be a hard-fought game. Um, they don't give you much for time and space. Uh, they come in, I think, on a nine-game road winning streak, so their confidence is very high. Uh, and they they were in complete control of that game last night in, in Pittsburgh against a very experienced team. So we need to stay in the moment be ready. We'll talk to Paul Hamilton, WGR, coming up next here in the Sports Bar. Rochester Americans began their seven-game and 11-day stretch with a win over Utica. Emmerichs are home tomorrow night against Wilkes-Barre Scranton. RIT home tomorrow and Saturday against Air Force. One football note, the Seahawks will pay quarterback Geno Smith his $12.7 million roster bonus, meaning his contract next season is now fully guaranteed. Gene Battaglia the sports leader, the fan Rochester. Straight up with no chaser. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the sports leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan, Rochester. I would have liked to have, you know, helped this team win some more games in the first 25, so we're not in the position we're in right now. But that being said, there's a lot of hockey left, and we can really, you know, we got to find our game. We got to play the way we did the past couple, and, you know, I think wins will come, and we'll start, you know, climbing the standings, and that's what it's all about right now getting points. Sabres defenseman Connor Clifton. Sabres taking on the Panthers at Key Bank tonight. We welcome in Paul Hamilton, WGR, into the sports bar. Paul, last time we spoke, I want to say it was early December, and I remember you saying 
you know, at a time when, when I think a lot of us still had hope and optimism about this team's ability to make the postseason. Hey, guys, this isn't it. These guys aren't. I, I'm not sure that these are the guys that are going to get it done. Um, I, I'm curious. I mean, it felt like that was, you know, now looking back, that was fairly prophetic that they just have been more consistently inconsistent this season than I think any of us imagined. Uh, and, yet, and then you have a game like what we had earlier this week where they absolutely throttle a, a downtrodden opponent 7 nothing. How are you, Paul? What's going on with the Sabres? Get us caught up. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, I had asked Connor Clifton that question because you know how poorly he had played to start, and everybody's like, well, why did you sign him? What are you doing? You know, and a lot of it was because he was playing left defense as a right-handed shot. Eric Johnson is the one that changed that. He said, you know what? Just let's just switch. I'll do it. Let me play left, you play right, get comfortable. And from that point forward, Connor Clifton's been a very good defenseman for the Sabres. Um, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I believe he's around plus 15 since that Boston game. Mm. And, and, you know, really, uh, you know, he maybe hasn't hit as much as, as he did in Boston, but he's no longer a liability and playing very, very well. And, you can tell by, if you look at the Sabres numbers from December 29th on, they're the fifth best defensive team in the league. If you take it from the 1st of January on, I believe they jump up to the second or third best defensive team. But they're not winning. I mean, they're losing games that they dominate to the Vancouver Canucks one to nothing. They lose a game to the Dallas Stars, which they dominate two to one. I mean, so they figured out, all right, we have to limit the turnovers, which they're doing. They're getting great goaltending from Uko Pekalukinen, and they're playing much, much better defensively. They're not giving up the three-on-ones and the two-on-ones and the two-on-os and uh, the shorthanded goals and just the sloppiness. And that was because Darlene and Samuelson and Power and Clifton all started playing better much better. They weren't giving the puck up, but on the other side of that coin, they still weren't scoring goals. 48 shots against the Stars, but no net front presence, nobody around the net. So Ottinger, Ottinger had a you know pretty easy time of it, even though there's 48 shots. And overall, I thought the Sabres played a good game, but what they showed us against Los Angeles is look what they do when they do go to the net. And do take pucks and bodies to the net. That's what they did all night long. They won battles. They defended pretty well. They got up ice in a hurry. They won battles forcing Los Angeles into turnovers. Then they went to the net. And all right, so I'm sure Sabre fans enjoyed watching that game, but I think it also frustrated them. Because now the question is, why can't you always play like that? Yeah. Why, does it, why, why do you do it once every X amount of games and, you know, I think I've said this to you before. If they would just play the way Don Granato wants them to on a right. consistent basis, which is what we saw against Los Angeles, they would be a good team, and they would have a lot more wins. But they don't. And one of the reasons they don't score goals is because they're trying to muscle pucks through goaltenders who can see the puck coming. I mean, when you, when you take their eyes away from them and start tipping pucks, you know, that's how, that's how you, you get goals in the National Hockey League. And you're there for rebounds because you're at the net. You're not standing in the circles or over on the wall. Uh, you're at the net trying to jump on rebounds. And 
uh, you know, that's the way goals are scored. So there have been improvements in their game, and you would think if they're the third best team in the National Hockey League defensively, how are they not winning? How how come they haven't caught up? Well, they're the same amount of points behind as they were when they started. Ten. You know, and, and, and your 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 goaltender is standing on his head. Your goaltender has a one point five seven goals against average, uh, or you know, since uh, early, late December, and I think his record seven and five. <laughs> how how is that? How does that be? Mm. You know, and, and your save percentage is nine forty. Because everybody thought. Remember the off season? Well, they got to improve the goaltending. If they just had better goaltending, <laughs> they would have made the playoffs. And and okay, here it is. Yeah. You've got you've gotten great goaltending. Your goaltender is almost at the top of the league lately, and he's been doing great. They've they they're playing great defensively, and they're no better off than they were last off season. Yeah, Paul, I'm sure you look at all the metrics, like what Money Puck has them, like a 7% chance to make the postseason. Read something today, a 1% chance. So what we saw from the Kings and maybe what we'll see tonight, who knows, but is all this a little uh, too little too late here, would you say? Yeah, I, I even though they played that game against the Kings, uh I, I I don't see any signs at all that tell me they're going to go on a run that's necessary. I mean, let's be honest. If they're going to get back into this, they got to go on an 8-10 to 10 game winning streak. It can't just be a three-game winning streak, which would be a first for them this year. You know, if they, it's got to be 8, 9, 10 games. And even that in itself, let's say they won 10 in a row. I don't think they'd be in the playoffs yet. I think the other teams would still be ahead of them because – you know, you, they've got a 10-point bulge on you, and they're not going to sit there and they're not going to lose all their games while you're winning all your games, and the six teams that you've got to leapfrog are all going to lose their games while you're winning all your games, and you're just going to zip right up the standings. Uh, yeah, you'll pass some teams, but what it would do, it, it would make it interesting for the end as, as a, you know, a run. They'd be close, but honestly, I don't even think they'd be in yet, even if they won 10 in a row. Yeah. Because the other teams are going to get some wins in there also, and but it would just close the gap for them. So I've I've haven't seen anything that tells me they're about to go on an eight to ten game winning streak. Paul, I uh, and this all stemmed from something that crossed my feed from Wyshynski at ESPN as he's going through his positional rankings, and Rasmus Dahlin fell out of the top ten defensemen in the NHL, and and I I kind of read that and I thought to myself, you know what I. I think I kind of agree with that right now. I hate that I agree with that right now. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing with Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, I think the Sabres, you know, they obviously knew what they were getting with him. He's a very offensive-minded defenseman. Um, I don't know that he's, you know, evoking any fear in any of his opponents from a physical standpoint or defensive standpoint. We we see him score against L.A., and we know what he's capable of. We've also seen him kind of get a little emotional on the ice when things aren't going his way. This is a guy that eventually is going to be, he already is. I mean, he's, he's one of the leaders on this team. What's your evaluation of Darlene here at this stage of his career? Well, when they decided to pump him up a couple of years ago when he was just awful and basically said he was playing great when he wasn't, they got him to an elite level. He got to that level because it was like, all right, my coach has my back. You know, and all of a sudden he started playing at an elite level as one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. 
I haven't seen that for the most part this year. Now, I thought he had his best game of the year by far against Dallas. I thought he was great. Um, really, really played well and dominated. And that's part of what they have to have. Part of their team makeup includes Rasmus Dahlin being elite. That's part of the equation. He has to be elite. He has to be one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey get back to where he was. This year, I would say there's nights he's pretty good. There's nights he's above average. There's nights he's no better than average. I've seen one night where he's been elite, and that was against Dallas. And that has to change. He has been pathetic on the power play. I mean, he and Power, just on the two power plays, if you want to, I mean, they're, they're their quarterbacks on the power play, and it, it just has not been there at all. And that should be one thing that he's good at and has been good at in the past. I mean, last year, for most of the year, they were, what, the third best power play in the NHL, and it slipped near the end. And I think they wound up around eight, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, but today, or this year, it's been it's one of the worst in the National Hockey League with basically the same cast of characters. And teams are like, all right, we're just going to kind of go over towards Thompson's way. He's not going to beat us. Any other four guys out here going to beat us? Nope. Dallin's not going to beat us. He's not playing that well. He's just going to give the puck away. Skinner's a turnover machine on the power play. So's Middlestat. And, you know, they, they, they try these blind passes and try to force things through, and the other team just tips them and out, out it goes. Yeah. So that's a good strategy. Take away the guy who has that booming one-timer that nobody can stop, get in the lanes that he can't get the puck, and dare the other four guys to beat you because they're not going to do it. Paul Hamilton, WGR, Sabres uh, taking on Florida tonight. And uh, we are less than a month away here, Paul, from the NHL trade deadline. And I think it's interesting how when you look at the tenure of Kevin Adams, and not just with when it comes to the trade deadline, but overall, it really haven't been all that many moves. It's just been kind of, here are the guys we're just going to kind of work with. So what is your expectation? What what should Sabre fans kind of expect here? Should this team be selling a Casey Middlestad? Or I, I've read, too, that maybe they'll actually be in the buyer's market trying to buy for the future. The trades that they need are normally made at trade deadline. I'm not saying you can't make a hockey trade, but they normally aren't made. The trades you, you make are, does Eric Johnson want to go somewhere for a sixth-round pick? Does Gergensen's want to go somewhere for a sixth round pick? I mean, that that's that's what all it is, is the guys on expiring contracts. Casey Millstead's not a free agent for two years. And um, uh, Adams was on WGR a couple of days ago. I think it was before Tuesday's game. And he said the, this r- rumor that says we we're shopping Casey Millstead is absolutely 100% not true. He goes, are there conversations happening? Yes. He goes, we are not shopping him, though. He goes, if, if somebody wants to call and talk about him or anybody else, we, of course, have a conversation. Because that's my job. And that's the way he goes. You could ask him about any player. I don't think Rasmus Dahlin, is, I think he'd be the only untradeable guy. But you know what? If somebody called up Kevin Adams and said, you know, what, what, what's the status uh, of Darlene? I'm sure Adams would say, what would you give me for him? Because he wants to hear. He wants to hear what that player is worth. 
You know, he, he makes calls on players he has no intention on getting because he wants to know the worth of that player around the league. So that's pretty much how things go for him. Um, I still don't think Casey Middlestat is, unless they trade one of the top six in the core, which I think they should be open to. I'm not saying they should blow it up or should do it, but if, and I'm not blaming Thompson and Cousins. I'm just using their names as examples. And I'll give you the reason why. If they can get you that one, that number two defenseman who can stand next to Rasmus Dahlin and play really well, Okay, now, okay, if it, let's say it costs you Thompson. Now you can move Middlestad into your top six, which right now he's not in there unless there's an injury. You can also sign him if you want to. And if you don't want to do that, you've got three young centers who you just drafted who are supposed to be studs in Kulik mm-hmm. and, and um, Oslin and Savoy to back them up. They're all centers. So if, if it takes... This isn't working. That, that I think we know. For two years now, this group of core players, it's been the same guys basically, cannot play at home. That's not a fluke. It's happened for two straight years now where they've been 460 or less at home in a points percentage. That's 27th or worse in the league. So they have a bunch of guys who can't perform under pressure. All Don Granado talks about is pressure, pressure, pressure. The pressure of making, trying to make the playoffs last year. The pressure of playing under a $7 million contract. The pressure of this, the pressure of that. Well, to me, he's giving them outs. And they obviously can't perform under this pressure. So there are some people in their core that they have signed that maybe they need to inch out of here. Because what they've got is not working. So back to what I was saying, maybe you have to examine, maybe it's not middle staff that gets traded. Maybe you do re-sign him and maybe somebody else in the core has to go. If he can get you that defenseman that I'm talking about, not for picks. And, and Adams did say that also on Tuesday, that he is not looking for trades for futures. He's looking for players to play now in the trades that he's looking for. So, um, just because he's not real active at the trade deadline, unless he can talk a team into actually making a hockey trade, I wouldn't get too excited about it. I would get excited about it if they come into next season and basically have the same group like they did last off season. That's where the mistake was made. You know, they were getting guys for Rochester. They were getting guys for the sixth and seventh defensemen. They did nothing with the forwards, even though Quinn's going to be out till Christmas. And that's where the mistake was made. And they, that can't happen. They can't just say, well, they'll be all right. This year was a fluke. We have guys who can score goals. We know they can score goals and, and just do a, do a few little tweaks. So I wouldn't worry about it too much at the trade deadline. I would worry about it if we're having this conversation at the end of September. You know, Paul, let's, everything you're saying makes a lot of sense, and I'm curious as to what your reaction has been to their decision to roster, manage the roster the way that they have given some of these injuries. I mean, 
Jack Quinn goes down, and I think immediately, you know, we were thinking, you know, selfishly, we want to see Kulik and Rosane in Rochester for as long as we can because if they're helping us win games and they can get us a, a Calder Cup, we're going to be all for it. But at the same time, we understand there's a development that goes on. Are you surprised with how they've managed the roster through the Quinn injury, through the power injury, and the idea that they haven't really tapped into Rochester all that much? Well, with a power injury, I don't know who you're going to bring up. I mean, you've basically got Johnson here. And uh, after that, it's just... And Bryson's guys. up and Bryson's been, been yeah, you know, yeah, performing. Bryson, yeah, right. So the as far as the defensemen, they're here. Kulik's struggling right now. And I, I was listening to Seth Appert over a week ago before he went out and didn't play in those two games. Sounded to me more like he wasn't going to play in these two games more of through because of exhaustion than injuries. Uh, you know, they, he did say that he has a few bumps and bruises, but then he went on to talk about, and I think rightfully so, the exhaustion of having to play over 110 games last year and come back and do it all over again and go run into the World Junior Tournament again and then having trouble to get San Jose for the All-Star game. And, and he just came back totally exhausted and it doesn't have any goal since he's been back. It's been over what, 10 games. So I, 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 you know, I just wonder, and I, I would agree with it. If they just sat him for a couple games, say, relax, take a breath here, you know, get your strength back, you know, get charged up and let's get ready for the, for the uh, end of the season here. And I think it's worth it. If you've got a player who's played that much and it's affecting him, if you got to sit him for a game or two, if that's what happened, I think that's worth it because you need him for your stretch run. You need him for the playoffs. And if he comes back energized, I think that, you know, I think it's the right thing to do if that's indeed what happened. So he really wasn't an option for this Quinn injury to bring up. He's just, you know, he's not ready right now to, to do that. Um, you know, is Rusick ready? You know, he's been on a pretty pretty good run for them, but when he was up here, they they didn't get anything from him. I mean, uh, Rosianne, he played a little bit more at Kulik, only played the one game, and again, he played one really, really good game. And other than that, he was in over his head. So, but you can get to a point, too, here where you can say to yourself, all right, where are they going? Are they really going anywhere? You know, would, would it be good to get one of them some experience here and slide him in uh, to that position and, and give him an them opportunity. Because if Kulik's going to be up here, he's got to be in the top six. He can't be playing with, uh, you know, Krebs and, and Robinson. You know, he, he, he he's wasting his time. He might as well leave him in Rochester. If you're going to give him a good look and give him a chance, you got to put him with Paterka and Cousins or, you know, right now you got a Poso playing with Thompson and Skinner. Well, you got to put him there. You got to put him somewhere where he can flourish um, in, in, in the lineup. So, uh, but I, I, I understand why he's not here right now. Last one for me, Paul, and uh, it's about Don Granado, and I like Don Granado. I, I think that uh, you know what has happened here. Well, it's a results-driven uh, uh, business, right? So uh, if we get to the end of the season, and it's kind of where we are right now, how warm is the seat for the head coach? I, with Kevin Adams, it's not warm at all. Uh, it would have to come from ownership. And since his 
that's one thing I think Terry Pagula gets a little gun, a little uh, happy with is these contract extensions. I mean, Don Granado, yes, he had a good season last year. So we got to give him a contract extension right away. McDermott has to have a contract. Everybody's got to have contract <laughs> extensions. We got to do that right away. These young players. Now that is a trend around the NHL, I will say. But did they jump the gun on some of these contract negotiations uh, with some of their younger players? But that's being done. So look at Sanderson in Ottawa. I can name you a bunch of them. You know that are getting the same types. Those bridge contracts seem to be going away, and you got to figure out. Are these guys going to be somebody we can count on down the line? So I don't see Terry Pagula letting go of a coach whose contract extension hasn't even started yet. It starts next year. I can't see him letting a coach go that is just starting his contract. So to answer your question, I would be rather surprised if he goes. You never say never. There are things I could sit here and tell you there are a lot of things I like about Don Granado. There are a lot of things I don't like. I already told you the one thing I don't like, I think he enables these guys. And I don't think he, he and I have a definite opposite view on holding players accountable. And we've talked about that. We've sat in a room and talked about it. And we just differ in our opinions on that. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know more hockey than Don Granado. He's forgotten more hockey than I know. Um, but you know, I just, it's, I just, those are the type of things that I think he falls short on. One of the things I love is something I saw today, 1030 morning skate, Owen power sitting over on the bench, obviously can't practice yet. Instead of going on the ice, the assistant coaches usually do most of it. Anyway, he sits next to Owen power for 15 minutes and they just take it in, you know? And I thought that's, that's a good thing to do as the head coach. Because I asked him about it, and he said, yeah, Owens, it's a different situation. He's not preparing for a game, and we can just sit and talk hockey. We can talk about what we're looking at. We can talk about situations. We can talk about a lot of things. And he goes, that's the part of coaching that he really enjoys, and he's good at that stuff. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I think that stuff goes a long ways with his players to do things like that. So things like that are what I like about Don Granato. And you hope that, given the relationship that he's developed with these guys, I mean, we heard it earlier this year when Kyle Oposa was taking bullets from every angle and they said, we're going to play for Don and they, they do what they do to Toronto. You hope that you get maybe a little bit more of that consistency here down the stretch, Paul. And and it starts tonight with uh, oh, a team that you're you're looking to chase down in, in Florida. They're they're nasty and they're good. And, and well, they're not chasing them down. No, no they're not. They're not catching the them. The yeah. These are one of the teams that that you know. I just feel like we're perpetually looking up at in those standings. Those Florida Panthers and almost chased them down last year. That was the team that they were one point behind, and then they wind up in the Stanley Cup Finals, and they were one point from not making the playoffs to the Buffalo Sabers. So it just shows you, you know, what 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 they can do. So. uh yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, weird the way hockey goes. We'll be uh, listening for you on the call tonight, Paul. Appreciate the time as always. Have a great one. Take care, guys. Thanks, Paul. That is Paul Hamilton. You can hear him tonight on the Buffalo Sabres Radio Network. We'll have coverage for you starting at 7 o'clock from KeyBank. That's interesting about uh, Don Granato because I thought, all right, they didn't make the move in December when really you could make the argument that this team needed a wake-up call, a shake-up, and this is common in the NHL. It's so common that the idea that Don Granato right now is the sixth longest tenured coach in the NHL, for what? 
<laughs> they haven't made the playoffs yet, and yet we're going to start another contract? The, the, the man that we really would like to know his thoughts, he doesn't speak to the media. That's Terry Pagula. If if they've made a mistake, it would appear as if they've, you know, you heard the word enable a lot. That Pagula has enabled a lot of people within this organization, given them stability that maybe isn't necessarily earned just yet. Kevin Adams, you know, dealing out contracts to players that, while show all the potential in the world, haven't won anything. <laughs> And and now your coach is in the same boat where, all right, yeah, your extension kicks in next season. I think the likelihood that they move on from Don Granado is very slim. I'm with Paul. That would be very uncharacteristic. Now, I mean, before when Pagula was really kind of yeah. embedded and, and making and, moves. And, and Where did that get him? I mean, maybe he's yeah. learned. I, you know, I don't know that, that keeping him is the right move or firing him is the right move. I, I don't know. But when you hear stories like that, when you hear stories of Granado sitting down on the bench and just chopping it up with one of his injured players, you, you know that he's developing relationships with them. He's not ignoring them. He's not berating them. I mean, maybe they need some of that. Maybe they need a little bit more of that. Maybe Don Granado needs the word that I love. He needs to be just a little bit more matable. And we don't see it all the time. We're, we're certainly not at practice mm. to know just exactly how he's getting into these guys or motivating these guys. But if you're enabling them all the time, then yeah, they're, they're going to get comfortable, complacent. I'm not going to play at the potential that you need them to play at if you want to be the kind of team that we all think they can be got some takes coming up here i'll drink to that is on the way next in the sports bar okay so when we're talking about the bill salary cap it's not pretty right <laughs> by one estimate 51 million dollars they've got to figure out how to whittle down we don't have the final number on the cap but we know some of the moves right uh one of them being tradavius white another one is an attack on years for a josh allen contract could there be a surprise move? Meaning, some a player that has been here, been a cornerstone, but could the Bills move on from him, have his replacement right now on the roster, and save a bunch of money? And I'm going to weigh out this option here that I'm sure Brandon Bean is kicking around. I want to go a little bit deeper on uh, Rasmus Dahlin. We just heard from Paul Hamilton. He kind of gave his evaluation of Dahlin's play this year. There's there's stuff that I see out of Dahlin where I, I just, you know, Paul put it bluntly, he needs to be elite. And I don't think what we've seen is that. I don't think what we've seen is, is a player who has been elite. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more next with I'll Drink to That. Today brought to you by the Farmer's Dog, fresh, human-grade dog food, delivered right to your door. You're listening to the Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. On 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan Rochester. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 